1: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Guess who I am? I'm am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Tuesday to you and yours. Uh, happy day after Monday, the day before hump day. Uh, listen, we're going to have a fantastic show uh, for you today. We're not going to have a marathon show like we did yesterday, three hours and 20 minutes that was a lot yesterday and we unpacked a lot and had a terrific show a terrific conversation i hope you enjoyed it today we're going to pivot off of that conversation and try to build on that conversation but we're going to try to do it more tightly more concise royce white will be my only guest today will be our only guest today as as we try to take the conversation a different direction This will be a more organic conversation. I think it's a conversation you're going to enjoy. Uh, Royce and I haven't really spent a lot of time rehearsing or or talking about what we're going to talk about today. But what I wanted to do was pivot and, and, and in no way do I regret anything I said on Tucker Carlson or anything I said on yesterday's show But I just want to remind you with today's show and today's conversation of what the purpose of Fearless is. And Fearless is about inspiring, motivating men to play their proper roles in this society at this time when men are under attack and being emasculated and run out of leadership positions. Yesterday and last week, I I talked about the problems of the matriarchy, and I, I unpacked it a bit more thoroughly yesterday on yesterday's program, and that's why I wanted to take three hours, and that's why I wanted to give everybody a voice and an opportunity to put their stamp, their perspective on what I said on Tucker Carlson and what I said about the matriarchy and what I said about the impact of single motherhood in black communities. But today, I wanna pivot and talk about, so you've defined a problem, matriarchal culture, single motherhood, and and the emasculation of men. What should men do in a society that is rigged against them, in a system that is rigged against them? I wanna have that conversation with Royce White. I want to uh, show you some more of the reaction to, to our conversation and what I said on Tucker Carlson. It's a serious conversation, but also we're gonna have some fun and show a lighter side of Royce in particular and myself as we try to have a conversation. This conversation will be directed at young men this conversation will be mature. I just want you to say this will be mature and some of you that are, are parents and maybe you watch this show with your young kids, this show actually is one that you know you can decide because we're, we're gonna have to talk about sex. I think we're gonna talk about it in an appropriate way. I, I, appropriate way. I told Royce, look, let's have this conversation today as if we're talking to young men 15 to 25. What advice would I, as a 55-year-old man, give to young men of all races, but black men in particular? What advice would I give them between the ages of 15 and 25? From my older perspective, having been through a lot, having made a bunch of mistakes, mistakes that I regret and talk about on this show, Constantly, what advice would I give a 15 to 25 year old man? And then I want Royce's perspective because Royce is still a young man. He's 31 years old, he's got kids. What advice would he give those men about entering into a world and a system that is rigged against their masculinity, their natural instinct, their desire to be leaders, their biblical calling to be leaders? What advice would you give these young men? So that's gonna be the nature of our show. I think, I anticipate the conversation being uh, appropriate for everyone, but some of you may not think it's appropriate because we're gonna talk about sex. It, It has to be addressed. All of this, everything I talked about yesterday revolves around irresponsible sex. And so that must be addressed. But I think this whole conversation will be appropriate and that your kids probably should listen because if they've listened to any of this music out in the culture, they're getting advice on sex and other adult issues that will take them the wrong direction, whereas this mature conversation, I think, will be pointing them the right direction. So before we go fully into it, I want to talk about what happens when someone has a child or creates a child and doesn't know what to do and has listened to the world tell them you should abort your baby. That's not a child in the womb. That's a clump of cells. That's standing in the way of your success. I want to talk to you about pre-born. Because preborn has a different goal, a different agenda. They want to introduce that young woman who's carrying a baby and is listening to the world and considering and maybe has committed to having an abortion. We want to save that baby and we want to save that young woman and we want to introduce her to the baby in the womb through an ultrasound and we want to introduce her to a stronger, better understanding and relationship with Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. When a woman that is pregnant, carrying a child, when she hears that baby's heartbeat, when she sees that baby in the womb through an ultrasound, 80% of the time, she's going to choose life. And when she chooses life, Preborn's going to step in and provide her the support, the counseling, the materials she needs through the first two years of that baby's life. Preborn just doesn't talk you into keeping your baby. It then provides you the help you need to get that baby's life started on the right track once that baby has been delivered into the world. Preborn is a miracle. Preborn is doing the work of God. Preborn is educating women and the society about what God created in the womb. That's not a clump of cells, that's a human being. God knew that child in the womb. We're showing through Preborn, through our partnership here at The Blaze, we're showing women who the baby is, that it's real, that it has a heartbeat, that it, it was formed in the womb, and don't fall into this leftist crap that that's just a clump of cells that can be sucked out and you should just walk away from your responsibility towards that baby. God doesn't want you to do that. You don't really want to do that. And that's why it's important for us as men. This goes right along with today's show. What is our responsibility as men? What can we do to help turn this anti-life culture that we have. And the anti-life culture starts with the mindset that people develop about a child in the womb. You want to know how events like Memphis happen? It's because when your mind thinks that's not a child in the womb, when you don't support life in the womb, that mindset corrupts your view of life outside the womb. When you understand that that's a baby inside the womb and you have to do everything in your power to protect that baby inside the womb, that attitude and mindset is going to carry through and follow you when that baby comes out of the womb. When you visit cities where everybody thinks abortion on demand is a great thing and abortion is just like taking a poop or some other natural thing god intended you're going to have chaos you're going to have a lack of respect for sanctity of life and again that's why preborn is so important i need you go to your phones pound 250 say the keyword baby it's only $28 to finance an ultrasound $140 finances 5 ultrasounds that's it. One ultrasound, $28, $5, $140. Pound 250, say the keyword, baby, or donate the way that I like to. Securely, preborn.com slash Jason. Preborn.com slash Jason. When you do this, send me a personal note at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Love getting your emails, love when you put in your emails. Jason, I gave to Preborn, it inspires me, it inspires this show, it gives this show a purpose. You're a fearless soldier, you wanna push this uh, country and this culture a positive direction. It starts with how we feel about and how we support life in the womb. There's nothing more manly you can do right now Pick up a phone, pound 250, say the keyword baby, give money to preborn. There's nothing more manly you can do than support life in the womb, and preborn is a great way to do that. Preborn.com slash Jason. Love talking about uh, preborn. The other thing I want to do before I, I, I uh, get into this, I want to talk about uh, my good friend Alex Stein. Alex Stein uh, is one of the great young comedians. Taking on the world, taking on the left, and sometimes the only way to survive the insanity from the left is to laugh through it. And Alex Stein is here with The Cure. He's Primetime 99, he's the pimp on a blip, and his new show is coming to the Blaze TV very soon. If you like unscripted comedy that trolls the ridiculous woke ideology, you're going to love Primetime with Alex Stein. Say goodbye to political correctness, and hello to Primetime99, who's always on the grind. Watch Primetime Stein with Alex Stein premiering February 8th. Use the promo code <laughs> pimp on a blimp. You can save $20 off your Blaze TV uh, subscription at blazetv.com slash primetime. You guys know I love Alex Stein. There's, You guys know, again, when I talk about the purpose of the show, and we're about to get into it, You know, the show is dedicated to trying to open up the space for ministers to stand on truth and for comedians to stand on truth. I've talked about this from the outset. Two groups of two professions have let us down, ministers and comedians. They're afraid of the woke mob. They don't want to be canceled. They want to be popular. They don't want to upset their congregation. Ministers and comedians are supposed to be protectors of the public square. They're supposed to say really uncomfortable things to their congregation and create the space for the rest of us to have uncomfortable conversations. Haven't been doing a great job of it. Alex Stein on the comedic end is going to help with that. If you've been following the stuff he does, the Troy, he's like a modern day, what do they, is it Andy Kaufman? I think, yeah, it was the comedian that was kind of nuts. That's kind of who Alex Stein is, and he's creating room for other comedians to take chances and to say the truth uh, by being a comedian that will go to any extreme. He's fearless. Just like this show, you're going to love Alex Stein's show, and you're going to love this show, today's show. Uh, I think... I want to start with some of the reaction to what I've been doing over since Friday and in Monday's show. Uh, People are upset with me. Uh, We've been age restricted. Yesterday's three and a half hour show has been hit with an age restriction on YouTube and then listed as inappropriate and offensive. You get a warning. This show is inappropriate and offensive uh, before you can click and watch this show. Then it got hit with an age restriction. You had to be so old to watch yesterday's show. It's it's as if someone could reach the conclusion that YouTube doesn't want us discussing certain things. They don't want us discussing this matriarchal culture and the negative impact of this matriarchal culture. And so they're doing things to limit the reach of our content. I'm not going to back down. I'm not here to build the biggest YouTube following. I'm not here to make people happy. I'm here trying to give men good advice. I'm here trying to inspire men to do the right thing and to lean back into a biblical worldview there's a particular group, this show is for everybody. Anybody that's watched this show knows this show is for everybody. I just happen to believe there's one particular group that the whole system has, has been set up to like, no, 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 no. You can't give them good advice. You can't tell them that baby mama culture and having all these babies just indiscriminately anywhere with anybody, you can't tell them that that's unhealthy and that's contributing to the problems that keep bubbling up in the news cycle. You you, you can't tell them that they're standing on a foundation so shaky, so hostile to God, that nothing good can consistently come out of that foundation. People can point to the aberrations and the exceptions. Oh, look, well, Jason, you came from that and you made it. Your parents were divorced and and I came from that. And the the Jamal Bowman, I had a single mother. And they can all point to these individual isolated situations and success stories and say there's nothing wrong with baby mama culture. There's nothing wrong with communities stacked. To the gills with single mothers and single grandmothers and great aunties and aunties and uncles raising other people's kids. We can't tell black men that. That's, that's the wrong thing to tell them, that the culture that's being pumped into them by hip-hop and rap music and, and, and mainstream Hollywood television. You can't tell them that that's killing them. Because it's not allowed to tell young black men the truth. We lie to them. We promote their degeneracy and debauchery. We promote their ignorance. We want them to remain ignorant. So we're going to slap an age restriction and we're going to slap an inappropriate, offensive content restriction on your conversation, Jason Whitlock, because we don't want people to hear it. That's not what we tell black men. That's not what we tell men. We're going to do it. And that's why uh, Royce is is going to join me. I I wanna start off by, uh, I I saw something this morning where a minister, and, and I'm not sure, and someone either tell me in my ear or text me, I I can't remember what church or what city this minister is in, Uh, but there's a minister in some city that had his Sunday sermon at least partially built around me. And what I said on Tucker Carlson, I saw this clip on woke preachers and I'll, I'll have to call it back up because I think the second clip or The second tweet actually listed this guy's name. But let's play these clips back to back to back. The woke preacher talking about me during his Sunday sermon and criticizing me because I had the audacity to say that single parenthood and communities dominated by matriarchal culture and and communities dominated by baby mamas are a major problem and a contributor to what happened to Tyree Nichols. Let's play these clips.
2: The fact that Jason Whitlock would even suggest that this happened because it reflects the problems of the black community. The fact that he would literally say that, you see, all of the people involved in this were young black men under age 32 from 24 to 32. The fact that that would even come out of his mouth. And that part of the problem is you see that you have a city now that has the person who is the leader, a mother, a single mother. And it gives that narrative. I mean, you know, the fact that people could even think some of these things. That it's a picture of the chaos that is often in the community when fathers are absent. What in the world? I don't even know how to process. I realize this as I've tried to process Tyree Nichols. And processing it is so complex because I found myself like others in America, almost counting down to when the video would be shown. And as I begin to think about that, what's happening to us? How, how is it that we continue sort of a journey of wanting to peer into tragedy, wanting to peer into those things that are sacred, which is life? How is it that we can just have casual conversation about that? Well, I, when you look back in history, now it explains some of those photos that you would see of people literally gathering to watch a lynching. And I think we have to be careful because there are dynamics in our history that sometimes show up in us and we don't even realize it. And yes, the the pain of him being only 80 yards from his home And more importantly than that, to have a four-year-old son whom he loved very much, 29 years old. But then when I hear the response of those who are pundits and those who want to give editorial of what happened, the fact that Jason Whitlock would even suggest that This happened because it reflects the problems of the black community. The fact that he would literally say that, you see, all of the people involved in this were young. The fact that he would literally say that, you see, all of the people involved in this were young black men under age 32 from 24 to 32. The fact that that would even come out of his mouth. And that part of the problem is you see that you have a city now that has the person who is the leader, a mother, a single mother. And it gives that narrative. And you know, the fact that people could even think some of these things. That it's a picture of the chaos that is often in the community when fathers are absent. What in the world? The fact that someone even tweeted that we are our own worst enemy. And I certainly hope that he was talking about his team and not about this situation. The the reality of the thinking causes one to wonder. It has been complex for a while. And now we're in this interesting place. And you do wonder where there have often been voices of Blue Lives Matter. Why are those voices silent now? Even when there have been things that we've seen over and over with our own eyes and couldn't believe. Someone asked the question even this morning, and my mind goes to James Baldwin. James Baldwin, in an interview, said it this way. And this was towards the end of his life. Baldwin only lived to 63 years old. But James Baldwin said this in an interview. He said, what is it to me to reconcile myself to? You always tell me that it takes time. It's taking my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's time, my sister's time, my niece's time, and my nephew's time. How much time do you want in order for there to be progress?
1: I know that was a lot, but but I I just want to tell you exactly, if you missed some of that, what he did. At one point, again, he goes from talking about me, where he calls me by name, Then he starts talking about LeBron James. And LeBron James tweeted out, we are our worst enemies. Many people think he was talking about the five police officers. This minister, James White, Pastor James White, I think he's from North Carolina, is is telling his congregation, well, maybe LeBron was talking about his team. And then he said, as, as he was thinking more deeply about this situation, he was asked a question. His mind went to James Baldwin and he picks up whatever his notebook or what, iPad or whatever, and he starts reading from James Baldwin. And, and I just want to be clear, this will perhaps point me as biased or whatever. And look, James Baldwin maybe at some point said some profound things, but James Baldwin has been elevated into our consciousness over the last 20 years and promoted as this great social justice figure and leader of black America, he's been promoted and put on this pedestal because he's a member of the Alphabet Mafia, or he was. Let's go 40s, 50s, or yeah, I think 40s, 50s, when James Baldwin was a, a prominent, somewhat prominent writer, a ta Coates type of his time. but. I don't think that prominent his prominence has been elevated in the last 20 years as we've tried to convince black people that uh, gay is the new black and so James Baldwin a minister is picking up his iPad to quote James Baldwin a member of the alphabet mafia like he's quoting James the disciple like he's quoting Paul. Now James Baldwin is one of the largest voices his congregation needs to be made aware of, and and his words are so profound that, you know, 30 years after his death or however long he's been dead, we must hear from James Baldwin, the great alphabet mafia soldier. That's what's going on in our churches. Blows my mind blows my mind, but it's everywhere. And and my comments about what's going on in our communities and what's headed for all communities in America as we try to tear down the patriarchy and install matriarchal leadership, it's headed everywhere. As I've said on this show, black people, we are the lab rats for an experiment that's being applied to everyone. This issue and these issues apply to everyone. Male leadership is being disrupted. And so from the pulpit to TV shows, someone like me has to be discredited and ridiculed and how dare Jason Whitlock stand up for male leadership? How dare he suggest that black women are out of line. And I say black women are out of line because I don't hear these black women saying, hey uh, this leadership stuff that we're doing is not what God intended. I hear them all saying we are the leaders, we want more leadership, the patriarchy is a joke and, and the bane of society. They're silently they love to worship dead black men killed in the streets by police and they'll do everything in their power to promote and protect the legacy of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Eric Garner, any dead Negro that they can black male Negro that they can show love to and support and worship. They will do. They will submit to dead black men. But those of us that are alive, nah, we got this. We're the leaders. Y'all blew it. Y'all idiots. Y'all don't know what y'all doing. The government's cut us a better deal. We got this. Kamala, Michelle Obama, Big Mama Stacey Abrams. We got this. It's our turn. And all I'm saying is y'all been running because before you run for national office, what people most like to do is say, well, what did they do locally? Before we sent them off to Congress, how did they behave as city councilmen when they were the mayor of a city? How did they behave? So it's like, what have you done on the ground locally? determines whether we send you off to be national leaders. And my whole argument is like, the results are in on matriarchal leadership in the black community locally. The results are overwhelmingly in. It's a landslide victory for chaos, debauchery, criminality, dysfunction, underperformance, We can look at the local results. You've been running everything in the black community solid 30, 40, 50 years. Look at the results and you're wondering why I'm objecting. I'm the bad guy because I can see the results that everybody else sees and you want to get mad at me because I'll talk about it on national TV. Everybody sees the results, our kids are running wild. We're afraid of them. The police are starting gangs to combat our gangs, your kids that you have taken, oh, I'm raising, and and I don't wanna rehash yesterday's show because today I'm about to bring Royce on and we're gonna go down a discussion about advice for black men, but, but it ain't just preachers. And again, what I've told y'all with, what is this show about? Preachers and comedians and opening up the space for them to tell the truth. They're bucking up against it. They don't want this pressure. And so they're gonna paint me as the bad guy, as James White just did, and then, uh, D.L. Hughley, Down Low Hughley, is hosting, uh, filling in on The Daily Show on Comedy Central. And he's bucking up against me. He's been doing this for years. But but here he is, I believe yesterday, on The Daily Show, talking about me.
3: is he talking about? What is he... So, uh, it is is single black mothers that are the problem. So, wait a minute. Um, All of these cops, uh, all of them, they had single black mothers, too? (laughs) And, by the way, those are the images that came up when I googled good cops. Um... (laughs) If uh, Jason Whitlock proves anything, is that you do not have to be white to hate black people. Um, and I can understand. How can we expect Jason to see the plight of black people when this dude can't even see his own? D- oh. So <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm DL Hughley. You know i was gonna big <laughs> joke on comedy. For more on this story, I'm going to be joined by Roy Wood Jr. What can you uh? Hello. <laughs> you just you just say <laughs> just, just disagree with the man. You <laughs> had to bring into it. Then come to me. <laughs> I'm Damn, sorry. Yeah? Hey, let's not let a in between us. It's crazy. <laughs> so
1: I know Roy and. I don't wanna get Roy into trouble, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Roy, great job, I'll just leave it at that. But I'm not surprised that Downlow is talking about my private parts on national TV. He, he earned that DL nickname the hard way. But, as the, the, the broader point that I, I've been making, and, and I'm just repeating myself here, but I just wanna hear crystal clear. Comedians and ministers have turned coward and they're in bed with the left and, and, and all of this behavior and culture that's hostile to a godly perspective. And so that minister in North Carolina hears me talking about a problem that he knows dang well Is pervasive in the black community. Our family structure has been destroyed. And instead of taking what I said and dressing it up, uh, hey Whitlock spoke in precisely on a TV interview, but he's pointed to a very serious problem here, the destruction of the black family. Instead of doing that, let's denigrate Jason Whitlock and destroy him in my Congress, don't listen to him talk about family. We gotta keep y'all focused on white people and and fixing white people. And then D.L. Hughley, a comedian. He knows the truth, and and I know people that uh, know D.L. He's just saying, he doesn't really believe what he's saying. This isn't who he was. This is who he is, in a culture, and a society, and a system in Hollywood that will not allow him to say the truth. And so he has to pretend like, oh, Whitlock said something completely out of bounds. Whitlock has said something that we don't talk about amongst ourselves as black people. Yeah, oh, Whitlock's coming from outer space young men and society at large black kids in general are being lied to Royce White and I are going to spend the rest of this show trying to give you all some good advice All right so uh, Royce White I just I
2: just I just
1: I wanna be, I just want. Atheists, the secular world, the culture, uses our imperfection, our sins to t- Shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men we know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy mercy, gives you the right to stand on His truth and to speak that loudly into the
0: culture, and we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children. Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're going to stop fighting today and you're going to let the government raise your kids and you're going to turn around and let them chop off your 12 year old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl. And you're going to let them make the Bible, hate speech. You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is going to do it and God's going to walk with you. This is literally worth dying for, I'm telling you. So it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder.
1: And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know you you
4: move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here.
0: Sometimes just standing up, just saying, no, we're not going to do that not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, If we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do
1: a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for
4: soldiers.
0: Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, 8 to 9 headache days a month versus 6 to 7 for placebo.
1: myasthenia gravis or lambert eaton syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects
0: ask your doctor and visit botox chronic com, or call one eight hundred 44 botox to learn more
1: all right welcome back Let's roll out to Minneapolis. Bring in Morpheus, the most interesting man in the world, most interesting man on Fearless. Royce, uh, welcome back to. Oh man, look at where are you at, Mike? Is that the same? Are you at a different location? What?
4: No, we 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 uh we've been building out the podcast studio for for Free People Radio for uh, the last couple of months, and and this is um you know, the, the, the sort of desk setup that, that we got here. So I thought I'd unveil it today for you since uh, I got to come back on two days in a row.
1: <laughs> Royce, I got to tell you, the other thing you're doing, you're putting pressure on me, because the other thing, you look looking awful slick and slim in that suit. Right? You look like a light-skinned Kevin Durant right now. What's... What... <laughs>
4: Hey, listen, listen, I told you I, I had the bad gastritis and I lost about 15 pounds. I was around 275. I'm now down to like 260. Not a healthy way to lose it at all. But um, I'm, I'm actually watching the episodes back and wondering, uh, can the audience even tell the difference in color of these suits? I might be. I feel like I'm cheating you guys. You know what I mean? This is actually a, a navy blue on navy blue pinstripe. Uh, yesterday I had on a, a charcoal gray. But when I watch it back, I can't even tell the difference of color. So I got to start getting a little more fancy with the suit so people can tell the difference. All
1: right. Well, uh, anyway, I told you this morning I wanted to. Have an opportunity to speak because we've talked about what the problem is. Mm -hmm. The purpose of this show is actually to inspire, advise men and in particular, black men on how we should navigate and operate within a system that is designed to emasculate us, uh, undermine our leadership in the home and in communities. A- and so I wanted to have that conversation with you today. And, and I, I told people off the top of the show that, you know this is going to be a mature conversation. And some of you may not want to watch it with your kids and 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 I'm going to probably in this conversation be a bit more secular than I am on other shows. And it's not me abandoning my faith or trying to do anything that I think is inappropriate. But I want to talk to people where they are. I I don't want to be off in la-la land and not reaching the people that need to hear it most. Because this first thing that I'm going to enter into the conversation is something I've heard people complain about me doing on this show. But I've just got to keep it real and talk to people where they are. And, and I'm more than open, as you guys saw on yesterday's show, I'm more than open to people chastising me, in person, contributors on this show disagreeing with me, certainly people in the emails telling me I'm wrong and I will try to course correct, but I have to today say what I authentically believe and give people the advice that will help them where they're at right now. And so my first piece of advice, Royce, to to young men, and in particular black men, is you have two options, abstinence, or a condom. That's it. Mm. If you don't protect your seed, if you if you don't quit just planting your seed any and everywhere, nothing will ever get better for us. And so I would love to see a culture that that felt like any man or boy that engages in sex without a condom to someone not his wife is retarded. It's the dumbest, most selfish, irresponsible thing that a man can do. Plant your seed in any get around, go around girl or whatever is crazy and it damages the community. As a Christian, I believe abstinence is your best choice. But as someone that's been out in the world, and, and made the mistake of unprotected sex. Put a condom on and cut this out. It, it, it's on us. The, 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 these, you know, I, I, I criticized women yesterday, but these idiots that refuse to put a condom on, it drives me crazy, Royce, and, and we, we have to do better or you have to choose abstinence.
4: I would agree with that. Um, I'll start by saying most people are born looking like their parents and they die looking like their choices. Um, so there's a lot of individual accountability that needs to be, uh, you know, taken for each and every one of us, but especially the men. And and I and I went pretty hard on myself. I mean myself yesterday on the women, um, and, and talked about that whole pers- that whole perspective and how the system is rigged. Uh, but but make no mistake about it, and I've said this before on the show, there's a crisis of femininity, but it is a failure of masculinity. And the people who are uh, critics of you or critics of me or critics of the show will try and edit that part out, right? Uh, I don't think anybody on this show, including you, have ever abnegated the responsibility of men and the entire equation. What we're saying is that the, the system has defaulted towards women because of their natural position and at the same time tried to uh, delegitimize nature altogether. Um, but yeah, men, men have to be good stewards of 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 their own choices of their seed, of women, um, of our society, of our communities. Yeah. Men should certainly choose for abstinence if they, you know, if, if it's achievable and when it's achievable. Um, but, but a condom is a, is a, is an interesting second choice. There's a lot of Christians and, and A lot of Christians that would say, from a doctrinal standpoint, that that would uh, qualify as as contraceptive along the same lines as birth control. And I think in the final analysis, that would be true. Um, But again, we have to start where we are. And I think the big big, uh, pitfall of Christian worldview right now is that we seem to think we can go straight from A to Z. That in all the sin we've accumulated over the last 60 years, since the society has gone very technological and, and greatly heretical, that we can just turn off what we've begun. Doesn't work like that. They're gonna, be, they're gonna be some Christians, some good men and women, some good Christian men and women that have to fall on a sword and, and, um, and understand that this won't happen overnight. Uh, so yeah, condoms are good. You, you can't assume that, uh, uh, none of us should, should assume that a society that we all agreed to go anti-God will all of a sudden turn around tomorrow and start to operate, operate from a Christian worldview. That's just not realistic, that's not rational, and therefore it's not in alignment with God either, which is also why many people believe you carry the sins of your bloodline, right? That's, that's somewhat of a Christian uh, idea as well. Um, so it's not gonna change overnight, and in the interim, um, men, men should be using condoms. And and even you could say that that women should be using birth control as a as a um, as a secondary option uh, instead of making just completely random and reckless choices around having children and then abortion.
1: Clear up the abortion point. That, that's I know you didn't mean it this way, but I just want the audience to be crystal clear. He, he's he's not saying abortion is an option. Uh, right. He, he he's saying we need to clean up our behavior around abortion. That's right. And and look, I know that a lot of the Christian followers of this show will have a problem with me promoting condoms. I, I've heard from yeah. them previously, and and I get it. But but I, I, they're not dealing with and talking to and maybe they're I don't want to speculate about who they're dealing with and talking with but but I have to talk to some of these young people exactly where they're at and what's a reality, what's a possibility for them right now to stem the tide. And that's why cuz again, I've been there. I've I've had indiscriminate unprotected sex and paid the consequences for that. I've talked about it on this show. And it it was stupidity. And so in order to get me more in line with God and and just maturing as a person, condom was a first step. And and it's a journey. And I'm trying to push people along on the journey and change their thinking, because right now, I don't think young men, particularly black men, have an understanding of the importance of protecting their seed and the consequences that you spelled out, I thought in, in marvelously yesterday in terms of you have that baby the, and, and now that woman has all leverage over you, a court a family court system that is designed to destroy you as a man. And I've heard this from white men and black men. And so if you don't protect your seed and, and I just want I, I, the first person I ever heard talk about it this way was. And I don't know if you're familiar with this YouTuber or I don't even know if you call him a YouTuber or whatever. But the guy named Chronicles of Judah talks mm-hmm. about protecting your seed all the time. And I used to listen to him six, seven years ago. And when he first started talking about it, I was like, that's interesting. And then I get to the point of like. No, this this dude is actually telling you exactly where your mindset has to be as a man if you're going to operate in this society successfully. And 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 for some reason, we just think indiscriminately spreading our seed is a good thing, and it's just not. And then and then so I, I kind of want to pivot, Royce, into a conversation about. What should we be telling young men, what should they be looking for in a woman who's
4: worthy of carrying their seed? Well, let let me speak from experience, and and I wanna be forthright here. Um, I, I was born and raised and bred an elite athlete, and we all know who are adults that, that are watching in the audience or may see this at some point in time, that there is a different sexual marketplace when you're six foot eight, 260 pounds, size 34 waist with green eyes. But there's a different sexual marketplace for that person as an adult when he was 16, when he was 15. And that's the society that we, we've created. And I lived in it and I came up to it and I paid a huge price for it. Uh, spiritually, morally. I, I continue to pay the price for it to this day. And that's why I could speak on what I did yesterday from such a personal uh, place, because it's from personal experience. Um, when I was young, I took all the spoils of being the best athlete in my school, in the state, in the city, um, and in all of the, the the sexual success that came with it. Uh, and and I actually, you know, and I again, I was born and raised a Catholic, and I knew the doctrine, um, and and to me, it 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 was a part of what I was doing, um, and it was a part of what most of the athletes my age were doing. It was just I had more success with it because I was higher up the the troth, I was higher up the mountain in terms of of uh, you know, uh, allure to 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 the women. Um, and, and here's the thing, the Pareto distribution, right? And people gotta understand this, I don't wanna go too deep, but the Pareto distribution says that 10% of people had make 10% of the things, they have they have 10% of the success, right? Like a 10% of the musicians made most of the music that all of us listen to. The same thing could be said across many hierarchies. And the same thing is true in the sexual marketplace. That's why the majority of men it, uh, women go after a small select group of men. And I think people like Kevin Samuels did well to lay that out, that most women are looking for men who make over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, which is even smaller than 10 percent. But I was that 10 percent growing up as a young man. And, and I and I engaged in sexual uh, in sexual activity like that growing up. Um, and I had my first child when I was in college, being young, uh, being being reckless, uh, you know, uh, thinking the world was mine. Uh, I could do what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I had a child out of wedlock with a woman I was never with, uh, never intended to be with. It was literally a one night stand, college night drinking on, on the campus, which I usually didn't drink. So that was my first that was my first mistake because I'm usually really good about alcohol. Um, but this night I, I decided to, you know, have a little have a little fun with the with the rest of the crew. Um, and I was drinking and, and had a child on one decision, one night, one decision, first child. Now, it wasn't only that decision. That was my sexual. That was part of my sexual practice. But that one time with that one woman brought a child and I've been dragged through the family court, the anti-family court system ad nauseum from that one night. Um, And men need to understand that, especially our young athletes. But but all men and all young black men need to understand that uh, those choices will be used against you in the court of law. Um, and, and, and I can tell you more about that story, but, but, but looking back on it at the same time, Jason, looking back on it, um, that's my, that's my burden that I have to carry because God had had the touch on that, that child's life. That's God's fingerprint on that child's life. And so that, that sin, that impulse, that, that um, lust is mine to carry. That's my burden to, to bear. And and, as, and whatever price I have to pay for that burden, um, ultimately um, is in God's greater plan to return all things towards His glory, and I have to believe that. And if and when you start not to believe believe that, Jason. Um, I, I believe that's the real predicate for, for abortion. So I look at my daughter every time I get a chance to and I see a beautiful young woman who has every opportunity to grow up and be successful and, and be powerful and be smart and add to society and know God and love God. Um, and and um, whatever price I have to pay for my stupid decision and how that happened, I'm willing to pay it. You know, I, I think that's just as Christian, that that's Christian as well.
1: So, and I really appreciate you being that, that transparent, you're 31 now, Royce. Mm-hmm. There are 15-year-old versions of Royce White out there right now, 17, 18-year-old versions, uh, 25-year-old versions of you out there right now, Uh coming into wealth in college now because of name, image, and likeness, coming into wealth, pro-career and all that. Just as an elder statesman to those guys, can you rattle off some advice, some qualities they should be looking for in a woman that's worthy of marriage and carrying your seed? What what pitfalls should they avoid What should they be looking for? How do you identify uh, the woman who's trying to trap you and wants you because she sees the dollar signs and all of that? How do you navigate through that?
4: Well, I'm going to say something highly controversial, and I'm sure he's going to receive a lot of criticism. Start with their social media because everybody in that age range for the most part has has social media on both sides of that aisle men and women start with the social media what is she trying to project what is she trying to put out there what is what is she selling um and and if if she is putting her her her, her sexuality or objectifying herself sexually for the the wide marketplace um that should be a red flag is it a is it a deal breaker no um but should it should it should it, you know, spark questions in your mind. Yeah. And and ultimately, you know, men need to need to try and decipher whether the woman is actually interested in relationship or if she's interested in what a relationship looks like to everyone else. We live in the attention age. We live in a generation of 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 theater of of theater that's been brought from the real theater now to your cell phone and everybody's the main actress or actor in their in their movie. Um so you know, is she is, is the idea of a relationship for her even meant to, to fulfill any deep, deep uh, meaning or is it all just an act? And we've conditioned a lot of people to just put on an act, especially in their relationships. So that's another thing. And then on an individual level, I would say, um, does she bring you peace? Does she actually bring you peace? Is, is she an asset to you? And I don't mean in a materialistic way, like does she have a job or, you know, can she make her own money or any of that kind of stuff? I mean, does she actually bring you some peace? Uh, is she willing to take the role of being that the woman in your life or the woman in the relationship um, that may include kids, that's a decision for, for those two people to make and, and at what time, but just in general, right? Will she bring you a plate of food? Or is that is that some sign of misogyny? If you if you expect your woman to bring you a plate of food, you know, will she rub your feet? You know, you've been out there working, you've been out there playing all day. I, when you know, my childhood sweetheart, um, she spent some time with me when I was living in college. Later on, after I had my first child, and then we end up having two children together, um, and and you know, we we have a great relationship to this day. Um, she used to cook for me every day when I'd come home from practice. And then I'd go back to the weight room because I was addicted to the weight room. I was a workaholic like that. and she'd she'd make me a meal again. And she'd rub my feet. She'd rub my back. Um And there are women out there like that. Uh, increasingly, they' they're trying to promote that. That's a f- a form of uh, misogyny and 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 then, you know, basically white supremacy, if you really want to get down to it. Um, But there are women out there like that. And, And actually what I'm starting to see that I'm optimistic about, and I talk a lot of doom and gloom on the show, but actually what I'm optimistic about, Jason, is that because feminism has such a loud microphone in this little gap here previously, I'm now starting to see a number of women, spokeswomen like Shamika, but all across the Internet that are stepping up now and saying, you know what, these women don't represent us. These women do not represent us. We want to have a man. We, we don't believe we don't need a man, and we want a man we can care for and cherish and support and be there for and be a woman for and, and help, uh, uh, you know, create a, a, a life together. So I'm, I'm actually optimistic about that.
1: The other issue that I think a lot of young men face of all races is, is the peer pressure from their peers, their boys, what all the boys are doing, what athletes, and, and we put a lot of pressure on each other to be sexually irresponsible and, yeah. and to make choices that aren't really sound. I, I've shared this previously on the show as, as in honesty, but also just in humility, because I don't try to put myself out here like I'm uh, the ultimate wise guy that that knew everything and did everything the right way and that at some point I wasn't weak and and didn't succumb to prayer pressure. I've had to admit to two of my best friends in life that, because I felt like God put two women in my life that two different that i should have married and had kids with and when i mm. look back and examine why i didn't why i didn't go that route why i did and and stayed off in stupid land uh it was peer pressure and it, mm. it was and again it wasn't mean spirit or malicious peer pressure it's just your boys being your boys and, and me not having the confidence, or the—I don't know—just not being smart enough to be like, "Man, that's crazy." But I, I let one of my—I can one of my best friends. I mean, I've admitted this on the show, so I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. But I just hate to admit. But one of one of my best friends, I was dating one girl, sleeping with somebody else, and he told me, "Man, how you gonna?" I'm not gonna call the woman's name, but she had a big butt, and he's like, "Shit, sure, her body don't even compare. She ain't got no booty like so and so." But, N-word, are you crazy? You gonna get that up? Blah, blah, blah. And and I have to admit it. It impacted me. It, it made me take something very serious and not take it serious and stay involved in this dumb stuff. And and. and I I could give you the other example of another one of my best friends and just a relationship I I didn't, because (laughs) I can't can't go into it, but it's just as stupid. And so it, it just comes down to what advice should we be giving young men about how to handle the foolish peer pressure they may get unintentionally? from their boys and just locker room and male culture?
4: Well, you know, you made a point on Tucker. And and first I want to say I I did believe, and I told you this on the phone this morning, I thought that the best points you made and I don't want to go off topic, but I thought the best point you made was that this No, you whole, go off
1: topic because I'm going to give you your flowers okay. when you go ahead and say it. Yeah,
4: okay, okay. My best I, point I thought,
1: came from Royce. Go ahead now. Go ahead no, and say it, No,
4: no, no, no. We got a, we got a working brain <laughs> trust is what we have at Fearless. But, but I thought I the best point you made... You got the biggest uh, the, the, the best point you made was that this is a, this will be used as a distraction from the Ukraine and that the great contradiction in the conversation about Tyree Nichols and black lives mattering or trans lives mattering or the future being female is that on one side they say that. But on the other end, they vote for politicians who want to take us to a nuclear war in which circumstance no lives will will matter ultimately. Um, so I thought that was the best point you made. But the single mother point is important right here, Jason. And And I, I want to say this um, from experience again. My mom is one of the, one of the most intellectual moms I think somebody could have. A lot of who I am, intellectually, a lot of who I am comes from her willingness to introduce me to people, to, to books, to material that challenges you intellectually. And, and she, was, she was great about that. And, and I love her for it. And, and I love her as much as anything in my life. Um, me, me and her haven't always had the greatest relationship, but, but I definitely give her her flowers where they're due. My father wasn't there. And I knew him. We had a distant relationship. He lived in other states when I was growing up. Um, I, I started to know him a little bit more when I was a teenager. So the village really raised me. Yeah, this, the the community really raised me, and because the community really raised me, I know firsthand that when you don't have a father in the home, doesn't mean you're going to be a bad person. Um, if you didn't have both parents, it doesn't mean you're going to be a bad person, or you have to be a bad person. You're destined to be a bad person. But what it does do, is it puts an overemphasis on on the on what your male peers think about you you're looking for that male gratification. You're looking for that male affirmation. And whether it be the young kids that you grow up with or whether it be the big homies in the neighborhood who, who you see and, and that's the only older male figure you have. And if and if that affirmation comes from you picking up that gun and, and you using that gun to get what you want, sometimes that's the best affection you can hope for when you don't have a father. Um, and so I was fortunate because although my father wasn't there, I had a bunch of, a bunch of, sound, logical, uh, uh, rational-minded men in the community that raised me, and sports helped a lot with that, especially when I got to high school. And those men were white men, by the way. They helped me a great deal. Um, so I think it, it, it proves your point, and it, it lends to your point, that when you don't grow up with a father, it's much easier to succumb to peer pressure. That's, that's a fact. I lived through that, and, and my boys, who I grew up with, lived through that my son, my son, just last night, came home and and his mom tells me she goes, uh, "Your boy, uh, I got an email that your boy here was wandering through the hallways with his boys, with his friends." And right away, I could see the fear on his face. There was terror in his eyes. And my son's a sweet kid. I mean, most likely he wasn't doing nothing but socializing. And I was the king of it. I was the, the life of the party then. And you know, if right to the circumstances, I'm still the life of the party today. That's why I can dress like this, right? Um, but he was terrified, genuinely terrified. And in that moment, I knew the difference between me being there for him and my father not being there for me just last night, which is, which is why it's so powerful that, that we're having this discussion today. And I mean, I told him, I said, I said, um, come in here and sit down. You know, and, and, and he came, he walked, you know, he was slow. You know, he thought that, you know, he didn't know I might, might grab him, might snatch him up, might put my hands on him or whatever, but he came and he sat down and he started to explain himself and whatnot. Um, and, and I just told him, I said, listen, do you think you're smarter than me? Do you think there's anything that you're doing in that school that I haven't already done. He said, no, I don't think I'm smarter than you. I said, okay, well, well, don't get to thinking you're smarter than me, because at the moment you do, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem that you don't want. You don't want to have. And he said, okay, I got you. I understand. And he went upstairs. And it was a real casual exchange between us. But in that moment, like I'm saying, I knew the difference between me being there for him and my dad not being there when I was growing up.
3: Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.
1: Royce, I, I, I want to because I, I, I'm just concerned about, you know, so many people in the audience are like, and I've told them and warned them, like, this is going to be a secular conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not going to I'm going to tell you that up front. I'm, I'm trying not to apologize for it. I do believe that abstinence and I promote abstinence. It's 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 the best path there's a reason why god designed it that way and you avoid a lot of headaches and trouble and you'll save yourself you won't have these soul ties and you won't have these you won't be in a relationship with your wife and thinking about 20 other women or five other women or three other women and 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 that can cause a problem You, you can get so sexually involved with somebody that you know is not right for you, but then you're comparing your wife to that, something that you know is not right for you, but you want that from your wife as well. But, so I get abstinence, and I'm pro-abstinence, but I just got to keep it real. I've been telling young people uh, for years. You know, you know, I, I told you know, my, my adopted son, Dante Love, told him when, he, when I first got he's in a hospital bed and he thinks he may be paralyzed. And I'm like, no, nah, Dante, I, I got you. And, you know, he's a former Ball State football player that, that you know, was headed to the NFL or whatever. And, I, and so I can remember one of the main things I told him, he was 21 at the time. And, and, and I, I had been telling young people this for years. I was like, Dante, look, and this is after it was clear he was going to recover and he wasn't going to be paralyzed. But I was like, if yep. you don't have a kid until age 25 if you can just make it to age 25 without a kid i can guarantee you're going to be a success
0: that's Mm -hmm. all you got to
1: do that's not Mm -hmm. an amazing hurdle if you make it to 25 because i said there'll be so many opportunities that are going to be placed in front of you before age 25 and you'll need the mobility to be able to get to that opportunity and it's like what happens to a lot of young guys they get a kid in college and I'm not talking about the great athletes. I'm talking about the guys that, cause now he's going right. to enter the workforce. The everyday and, guys. And I, I'm like, yeah. And, and so I'm like, there'll be so many guys that will have a kid and some super serious girlfriend or baby mama that they'll get offered an opportunity in another city and can't do it because oh, I got this kid. I can't move there. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or, or, I was like, Dante, my first job out of college was for five dollars an hour. I was a part time mm. employee. That was all mm. I was qualified for. I was like, but if I have a kid, I can't take that job. That five dollar an hour job is what led me to a lot more money. If I couldn't take that step, I would have never gotten to this step. And, mm. and I was like, so if you can Get to age 25 without a kid. You can take jobs and opportunities that won't be determined by location or salary. It'll just be, this is the right opportunity that will eventually get me to the right place. And I've been telling kids that at least 20, 25 years. and, And it's one of the most simple things. And it's like, these, these are the, this is the kind of advice that young men, young black men need to be hearing that, like, all you got to do really is graduate from high school and not knock up some girl. And, and you're on a really good track to upward mobility in this society. But if you don't graduate high school and you got baby mama drama, you're headed on a path that, unless you have Royce White talent or LeBron James talent or <laughs> Michael Jackson's talent.
4: It's gonna yeah. be real tough. Yeah, and, and there is a difference. And, and this is where the whole argument about equality um, actually starts to, to really hurt people because we're not all, we're not all equal. Um, we're created equal in the eyes of God uh, and then even from there in the eyes of God, we, we differ. We differ and in, in the degree of in sin is, is real and, and there's different severity to sin um, that, that, will, that will you know, come to bear and come to weigh in the final analysis of a person's soul and, and the life that they lived. Um, but this is where that equality narrative really starts to hurt people is because, yeah, my, my story is one where I feel uniquely blessed that all of my mistakes that, that I live in a society that valued my physical attributes in such a way that all of my mistakes um, were had a marginal impact on my the bigger picture in my life, right? Um, I, I I was like you know when I had my child I was transfer I had to transfer from the University of Minnesota, and I I tell you this quick story too. This one's about John Calipari. So when I was first leaving the University of Minnesota, I was going to transfer to Kentucky. Right. And that's I mean, that's just unique in and of itself. Nobody leaves a Big Ten school who's, you know, middle of the pack or bottom of the pack and gets to go to a school that's just won three national championships in the last seven years. That's just unique by unique standards. But that was my circumstance. Um, And I remember I was, I, the deal was done. I liked John Calipari. I had come up through the circuit with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins uh, on the Nike circuit, um, LeBron Camp, so on and so forth. And, and I was excited about it. Enos Cantor was actually transferring to, to Kentucky that year as well. We would have been, we would have played together, um, which is interesting. But the deal was done and I found out that my first son, who I just spoke about, was, was going to be born. Um, and so I told Kalapari. Um, I called him up and I'm like, you, you know, John, I, I just want to tell you that I'm having a child. I found out that I'm having a, a my first son, and I'd like to be there when he's born. And and John, he, you know, he kind of chuckled, and uh, he told me on the phone. He said, listen, we don't have any women in Wildcat Lodge. The mag- the, the, the 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 magnifying the the magnifying glass is too big. The the attention is too big. Everything around Kentucky basketball is too big. We can't have any of that, right? We can't can't have any, we don't allow any girls in Wildcat Lodge. And um, we hung up from that phone conversation and that's when I made the decision to go to Iowa State. Why? Because Fred Hoiberg, who I had more of a personal relationship with, um, was, was friendly to the idea of my child's mother coming to live with me at college so that I could be there when my son was born. And that's what happened. And my son was born, and I was there at the hospital that day. Uh, and I went on to have a great career at, at Iowa State, and me and her had another child, a daughter, um, two, years, two or three years later. Um, so I just say that to say I was unique because my talent afforded me people to work with me in that way. Uh, but that's not everybody's circumstance. That's nobody's circumstance statistically. Most, most times your opportunities will be railroaded um, by, by having a child at a time that is not well thought out. And it's, it's not a, it has nothing to do with your job opportunities. Let's be clear. It has to do with you making a, a sound choice about the woman you're having a child with. And if you really look at the totality of circumstance uh, of the woman you're having a child with and when you're choosing to have a child and why, from a spiritual standpoint, it'll probably match up with what's best for you professionally, in my opinion. Um, so, and that'll be later on down the road, probably, or when you have your spiritual house in order. Um, and I didn't have mine in order at the time. I was saved by, by a radical materialist society, which I often criticize, but, but that's just the truth. And I see the pitfalls in it. And I see why it took me so long to become the man I am today, because the society was trying to create that backdrop or that, that you know, that uh, crutch for me.
1: So here's another thing that I've, you know, come late to realize is, is like when I evaluate my previous life and previous self and relationships I had and, and, and just trying to pass on to young people and young men that one have that natural instinctive leadership quality within them. And and young men that uh, like me that have perhaps a low tolerance for matriarchal values and and mm. and don't I don't compromise on that. And 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 I'll 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 say this to share a, a story about uh, a woman that that I was dating. It's 28, 29 and and on paper she was exactly what i was supposed to have beautiful black woman from the south master's degree she had a good job at one of the pharmaceutical companies my father loved her cuz my father was scared to death i was going to marry a white woman and so you know here i am dating this black woman that's got this good job and he just he's just on cloud nine, and I kept trying to tell him, like, Daddy, I, I just don't know this, this. This woman sees herself as a leader, and 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 you know, I, I I'm not going to be able to subdue that in her, and and she, some of her stuff, it was just silly, and 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 but I stayed in it, trying to correct it and trying to uh, fix it because it's what. Make my father happy, and I revered my father, and I've spent a great part of my life trying to please my father, and and mm-hmm. trying to do nothing <laughs> to uh, make him ashamed of me or anything like that. Now I've I stayed in it, and, and I, you know, I, I'd be telling my father these stories, like because let let's, I'm close to thirty years old at this time, and 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 I'm I'm in Kansas City. And I am making about two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. She was silly working at some pharmaceutical company. And she's three, four years younger than me. She's making seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. I never discussed my finances with her or anybody, really. Keep that all to myself. But she was so silly. She was convinced. She used to tell me she said literally tell she could take care of me. You wouldn't have to work. Mm. And, and, and I was like, "What kind of a man do you think that I am that I would want to be taken care of by, by you? By, by any woman, by any person? Mm. I't want to be taken care of by my father, my, you know I, yeah. I just And so there are women, and I've seen men, I've seen men in my own family that have grown comfortable with the notion that they can be taken care of by a woman. Mm. And, and, and I, I get—I just want to say to um, young men that, that have what God naturally put in them, don't let them slay that instinct that you're a leader, you're a provider, you're a protector. That's natural. That's what God intended. This yeah. world has been turned upside down. Yes, uh, I th- you call them cucks. I think some people call them simp's.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't be same one. thing. Same thing. Yeah. No, <laughs> I I, I, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, I think you know th- th- this is this is tricky territory in here, and and I don't want to try and confuse people and keep it keep it simple, but this is tricky territory because on one end you you, you want a woman who doesn't come to the relationship for material purposes. But at the same time, you don't want a woman so strong that she believes she doesn't need you at all or that she doesn't need any man. That, that, that's a major mistake as well. And that this is, this is a nuance that young men have to be able to bring when they, when they make these choices in their, in their sex life, in their, in their romantic life, in their love life, choosing a partner and for sure when making a child. Um, there is a there is a a movement an agenda powerful i mean from the top all the way down to the the cradle that says that women do not need men and, and the, whole, the whole predicate for the women's suffrage movement or the women's equality movement in the workplace is to say, if we just had equal pay or if we had an equal spot at the table with men, then we really wouldn't need men. And many of these feminists make that case. Like men are, uh, oh, I was just a perfect example. Amber Rose, this is a perfect example. I wanna, I wanna throw this out there. I remember uh, about 10 years ago, I first saw Amber Rose on, um, I think it was Run's house. And I think there was a little segment in Run's house where they would show Russell Simmons, they would deviate over to Russell Simmons's house. And he had these three women there and Amber Rose was one of them and he, she was in the pool. And I remember her talking about sex and she said, um, she was talking to the other two young women and, and they were just going back and forth about it. And they were talking about like, you know, how they like it basically. And Amber was like, you know, I like a man to grab me by my throat, smack me and spit in my mouth. And as a young man, as a young man in in uh, in that athlete, more primal sexual mindset, I remember I was like, whoa, that's exciting. (laughs) Right. And but but (laughs) 10 years, 10 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. But 10 years later, I realized that that's the same woman now doing an interview with two battle rappers. Um, And I saw a clip the other day and she just went on a complete rant about how men should not comment on women. Her, Kim, Jada, Willow, all of these celebrity women, men shouldn't even comment on women. They shouldn't even make a comment uh, because they are the byproduct of what men have chosen. And there's actually some truth to that. And she knows that because she used her body transactionally in that marketplace. So she knows how the how the world has been shaped around sexual objectification and she's benefited from that. But she turned around and you know what she said next when those 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 two men challenged her. They said, well, what about what are you saying? Well, can can should women, women be able to comment on men? And she said, yeah, men are trash. And I only use that example because the the. The 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 uh, the model of Amber Rose is what many young men have been conditioned and brainwashed to want. They want the woman that's a little bit more promiscuous, who's a little bit more sexually experienced, who knows what she's doing, who, who, who knows her way around a penis, who who, you know, doesn't have too many bodies, but she has enough to keep you entertained in the short term. Uh, Those are the women that tattoo stuff on their forehead and then they take you to child support court or they have you in the family court system. And then they're in the tabloids talking bad about you. Um, And and none of you are going to have a woman like Amber Rose anyway. That's the that's the other part. You'll have the 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 Kmart version of Amber Rose, the, the girl who's actually not even that fine. But in her delusional mind thinks that she is and she'll be treating you like she is Amber Rose. I mean, now I'm going a little Kevin Samuels, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, this is the real reality for for men. Um, and and I think men have to start to view themselves as the shepherds of society in the sexual marketplace. And we can, in fact, reorient the entire culture by what we choose to do uh, sexually and the standards we choose to set and the mindset we bring to our romantic relationships and sexual pursuits. And, and I'm not sitting here gonna tell men, young men, don't have sex, I can't do that because I would be called the hypocrite. I can say from a biblical standpoint, it's it's better if you observe Christian values in every way. But even if you are, what is your mentality? What is your approach to these things? How do you value yourself? The first place that you can start to uh, experiment with how you value yourself is in the sexual marketplace as a young man. Uh, and, and I think men men have to do that in order for us to save this country, in order for us to save uh, freedom in the world and in, in order for us to and certainly for us to save our souls. It's a uh, it's a it's a vital piece. And, and I appreciate that you're even talking about sex because every, this is the one taboo. You know, mental health was the taboo topic like 10 years ago. If mental health is taboo, then sexual the sexual domain is double taboo. It's nestled within the psychology, the, the, the psychological. Right. This is the taboo topic that people don't don't talk about. And, and why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. I mean, we have to talk about it. We're not too uncomfortable to do it.
1: We certainly have to talk about it. I, I think there's a there's a way they've legalized talking about it and they've reduced. Sex to just just talk about it as a pleasure and how yeah. pleasurable it is. And, and no one talks about the consequences, and no one talks about uh, the responsibility that goes, that's attached to sex, that you're creating connections with people, and, and those connections don't just disappear and go away, and that if if you have any intentions on having a sound, successful, long-term relationship reducing significantly reducing the number of sexual partners you have will help you be able to maintain a long successful sexual relation uh, marriage or relationship or family and and if we're wondering why the divorce rate among all g- demographics is skyrocketing and why right. it's you know astronomical and near the moon for black people it's because We've been so promiscuous that it's impossible to uh, maintain a healthy relationship with just one person, one partner. We've so devalued and, and, and just been so irresponsible in our approach to sex. And, and then just as men, again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, the lack of protection of our seed and mm. just thinking, any womb is appropriate to carry our child. Any mentality can raise our child. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And so we need to prioritize relationships with women that share a biblical worldview, a worldview that will Uh, lead to the success of your childhood. You can keep going out and having random kids and thinking that, you know, I'm going to have a LeBron James, (laughs) and you're going to find out you're not going to have a LeBron James. You're more likely, when you just indiscriminately with anybody, you're more likely, rather than visiting him at a basketball arena, you're probably going to be visiting him behind bars or barely, or or in the basement of your home when he's 40 years old mm. and he's still living at home with you or his mama. Uh, and so protecting and just valuing and, and just your approach to like, you're actually doing that woman a favor. She's not doing you a favor. You're doing her a favor. This world was designed when operated properly she absolutely cannot survive without you cannot and you can't reproduce without her right but you can survive but you can't reproduce uh she can't survive without us and and we need to have that confidence as we walk out into the world and i don't care about all these technological advances and and she <laughs> thinks she's safe because she can call nine one one, and Doordash yeah. can deliver her her meals. Blah, Mm-mm. everybody's about to find out how necessary men are, because because we're hit again. The stuff you talk about in terms of this conflict that they're covering up, that they're promoting, and we're headed towards World War three. Yes, and and we're all about to find out the necessariness of men. And, and they've created this little fantasy world where we're not necessary. It's a fantasy world that's about to be blown up and rediscovered like, oh no, He was authorized dominion over this for a reason. And so, uh, Royce, I did wanna play, this will be the final, thing. I wanted to play, this is a small clip that just illustrates the little sneaky things that they're just sliding into the culture to emasculate us. And and no one's objecting. And, and, okay. and football this weekend, they played a KFC commercial. I, I don't know if you, it's just a little 15-second KFC commercial. And again, you can see, uh, watching NFL games over the last two to three years <laughs> blows me away. The commercials that I see that. They generally plant a black man from the Alphabet March uh, Mafia in some of these commercials, and 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 uh, the white dudes that are in the commercials are goofballs and idiots. And and KFC's got a commercial where the white dude is a goofball and a simp. It's just a 15 second spot. Watch this. Five buck
2: Popeye is my treat. Now that my chores are complete. You didn't do the laundry. Flaky, warm, and savory. No one gets chores done like me. Treat yourself to a five-dollar pot pie from KFC. This
1: man is sitting at home, talking about his chores at home. I do my. I'm so happy being a house husband. I'm so. Wife comes in. You ain't do. You ain't do, do all these chores and throw. If if you reverse that they'd probably have riots right now at KFC if they had a commercial a woman is sitting around talking about, I'm doing my chore," and the husband comes in and throws some dirty laundry at him KFC would have to shut down and issue a million apologies but you can do this to men now
4: well yeah and 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 the and the more pernicious part of it is what it's really saying is that you should eat horrible processed Completely unhealthy food like KFC if your wife won't make you a, a, a pot pie from scratch with real ingredients with with real um, Healthy non pesticide organic ingredients uh, and, and that was the real message there is get fat You know, it's you know get fat and and and, and die get fat and die When we I'm sorry, you know, I don't know why you want to show me that you I was doing well today I was trying to keep it real relatable I use personal stories and then you want to show me the mass propaganda? You see what you do? You set me off. That's what you, you you're doing. <laughs> you did it on purpose. I'm 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 lighting you up in the group chat tonight. I'm telling you now. Um, I wanted to. I was gonna play you the D. L. Hughley clip. Yeah, you you know not to play that uh, one. That's of him worse. trashing okay. me. That that's yeah. worse. Don't play no D. L. Hughley around me. He's a he's a super cuck. But but I, I'll say this, Jason, and <laughs> in, in closing, I'll say this. Um... This, this, this culture we have is a debt and death culture. And I think that the Ukraine is the great herald, not only of, of the military industrial complex, but this sort of weaponization of femininity and masculinity, because in one regard, we want to say, um, men, men should surrender their masculinity and by proxy, their national identity and the tradition and culture of their, of their people or of their country, like this country, America, men should surrender that in in support of women, in in support of women's emotions, in support of women's um, existence, their place in the the world and the economy and all these other things. But we are waging a war right now that could end in a nuclear war in the defense of Ukraine's national sovereignty. I mean, you can't make it up. The same group of people who saying we should have no border here in America because the border itself is patriarchal and misogynistic and racist and transphobic that we should let the women lead. Now, like Lenny Kravitz said, who's another cuck, Um, we are defending and willing to go to nuclear war where millions and millions of people will die in an instant in defense of a border of a country that just started yesterday. If there is one issue that you can look to, to show you all of the perversion, all of the contradiction, all of the things that you need to be weary of in today's propaganda narrative, it's right there on the border of Russia and Ukraine. Why Why would we fight so hard to defend this country's national border when we don't even want one ourselves? In the name of women? And here's the kicker. The people who are taking the brunt force of this war are women and children in Ukraine that are getting artillery shelled. They're the ones who, are, who suffer the most in this war. All of the men, the patriarchy, they're in the Ukraine. They're happy to fight the war. They're, they're good, this is our country. We need to, we need to fight for our, our nation's sovereignty. The women and children are taking the artillery shells. right? so there's the, there's the contradiction right there. And it, it, it shows you, it shows you this entire feminist racket it's not about the fulfillment of women. It's not about the fulfillment of men. It's about depravity and it's about chaos and sin and and it's Satan's bidding. Uh, so young men need to be need to be mindful of that. and and you know st- be, be confident. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Trust your, trust your instincts like you're saying. Men are supposed to lead, men are supposed to protect, men are supposed to build, men are supposed to be the head of the household. Find women who who understand that. Um, Pray on that.
1: Thank you, Royce. That's a great place to end it. Great job, as always. I I got a final comment myself. Uh, We'll let Royce go. Listen, stick with me. Continue watching this show. I, I told you at the beginning what this show was about. At the very beginning, me and Uncle Jimmy sat here, and I unpacked. Like ministers and comedians have let us down, and and we're going to push back against that. And and this show is dedicated to reaching and inspiring men, and I want to walk them on a journey back to God. If you look at this show. And the people that I promote pretty much all have a strong faith that they proudly talk about. We've platformed ministers from Pastor Anthony to Pastor Bobby to Virgil Walker uh, to men of great faith with families. Delano and Dave Shannon and T.J. Moe. Shamika's a believer. It, It it it's. This show today was a bit more secular. But but I have to be able to talk to people where they are so that they can understand what we're trying to do. And then as as they get as I try to hook them into this show and into this conversation. Me and others, if they watch this show, are going to direct them and point them to God into a biblical worldview and to taking Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because that is the plan. That is the only thing that's going to save this country. And so from the show to the event we're planning, April 15th, our first men's summit that everybody's invited to. I've had women reach out to me over email and, uh, text or whatever. Everybody can come, but this thing is directed at men. The messaging, what you're going to hear from Pastor Bobby about just a definition of manhood. What is a man? To Anthony talking about Christians not being sifted and, and how Satan is sifting men apart. And we're using all these different idolatries to, to for those of us that love Jesus. We're separating ourselves. We're being sifted by Satan through denominations and uh, idolatries and all that. To, to Delano talking about the importance of family, to TJ Moe talking about men never give up because we're in a time where. I get people's instincts like, man, it's over. I give up. I I get it. But men don't give up. They never quit. TJ had a great athletic career, and he's going to lean into that and help explain why even when things look down, men don't give up. And then I'm going to do what I always do and what I did in this show. I'm a flawed man. Those flaws are not going to silence me from bearing witness to the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not going to stop me. They try to use my sin, your sin, everybody's sin to silence us. Oh, you can't say nothing. Jason, you used to go to strip clubs. Jason, there's pictures of you on the Internet with women. Jason, you know, you're you're a hypocrite. That's why I confess to all of it. Because I don't have to be perfect. They sent God, not they. God sent somebody who was perfect. All I need is courage. That's all you need is courage. And so, I, I read all the virtually all of the emails you guys send me at FearlessBlazeShow at Gmail. I hear some of you, hey. Uh, Someone said this that I disagree with. And you let a Hebrew Israelite say that you let, uh, you know, you, you said something that I disagree with and, and don't think is scripturally sound. And it's not. Look, I'm, I'm always going to move towards truth and what's biblically sound. <clears throat> always. But I have to have the ability to talk to people exactly where they're at. I think a lot of times in the church, we're afraid to talk to people where they're at. And that's not talking uh, profanely to them. That's not talking inappropriately to them. But we have to get down in the weeds and deal with the fact that our culture has been so sexualized that it's going to get it be a process to get people back to normalcy. That's so why I left California and LA to get back to normalcy. It's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's a process. Today was part of that process. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry I went Probably 15 minutes longer than I wanted to, but I have no discipline as it comes to talking. My mouth just runs and runs and runs. Play tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We
0: are living, get back, we are receiving, all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want freedom.
2: I wanna be, I just want I wanna be, I just want I wanna be, I just want